Welcome back to another edition of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Michael Pacha, joined by none other than the wonderful Harris Kermani here for this January 6th. It's a Thursday. We only got a four-game slate to talk about. Nonetheless, it will be packed with the information you guys need. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of strange things happen today with Kyrie returning, but Lance Stevenson taking the cake. Uh, a lot of fun things that happened on Wednesday's night. But Harris, my friend, word around town is you uh, you're in the health and safety protocols, but you still took the time out to join me and listen. That is a warrior, <laughs> if I know one. There you go. Well, no, you're absolutely right. It's uh, one of those situations where you know, the advantages of being remote, being able to continue doing this. I'm glad I can. Uh, Doing well for everyone who has uh, who has asked up to now. So thanks very much for that. And uh, you know, just enjoying it. Like I said, the Wednesday's been good. Uh, Toronto's doing really well right now as well. We're back fully healthy, about to win four in a row. So can't be too unhappy about that. Taking out the Bucks on a on a back to back. It's a good night, and just uh, for you as well. You get the Dirk night. You get uh, Steph Curry on a really off night. But Dallas pulls out the much needed W. You know how much voodoo magic it took me to make Steph Curry have a bad game for tonight? I, I would have been devastated uh, if the Mavs lost on Dirk Nowitzki's night. Uh, I, I don't think I'd – I would probably would have at least skipped a game. Uh, it would have it would have torn me up on the inside just knowing that they couldn't pull it out. But, you know, fates, fates collide and the stars align and good things happen when you sleep with uh, – what, what's the old saying? Sleep with a spoon under your pillow? So <laughs> – I think uh, I, I think all my voodoo magic happened to work, but yeah, absolutely, man. I hope you feel better and get better pretty soon. But I'm also glad that you are on the show with me, man. I love doing these shows with you. I think we always get some uh, some good content out there. And I was faced with some tough decisions tonight too, with uh, the late ruling out of Trey Young after they said that he was likely to play. Uh, it looked good in warmups, I think they said. And then all of a sudden, you know, right before tip, you know, I was left in the in my single entry tournaments. I originally had Norman Powell and then at my utility, that's on Whiteside. Because I, I figured Gobert would sit and Whiteside was warming up. Once that changed, I was like, okay, you know, now I can just pivot, uh, pivot you know, easy. And then all of a sudden, Trey Young gets ruled out. And I'm now I'm, I'm messing around with about 15 different combinations of like, you know, Cam Reddish and DeLon Wright. Do I play, you know, I can go Danilo Gallinari, uh, you know, mixed with. You know, any number of players, and I finally landed on one, and I can almost certainly guarantee it was the wrong one. We'll find out, but uh, but my lineups were scorching hot prior to that. So that's why it only becomes a hard decision when you know you look back and you're out of first place by like six points and you did something wrong. Uh, and it, you'll, you'll hear the regret on Sunday, I'm sure, when we do another show. But we got four games to jump into. Quick shout out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy. Guys, come prop up with us over on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Uh, if you're wondering what it is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. You with Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. So you choose 10 of 20 available player props. If you build your lineup, each prop gets assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA alone. And has awarded over $6 million so far. So uh, head over there, sign up, and when you do, use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant keyword. I always say instant because you always hear these other, you know, oh, yeah, we'll give you $100, and they slowly deposit it into your account over the course of, like, a month. It's an instant deposit match on up to $100. So 
Get that money, play with the free money, download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or Play Store, visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com, sign up and prop today. So my friend, only looks like we have about two teams on back-to-backs tonight. None in the first game. We have the Boston Celtics traveling to New York to take on the Knicks. For the wonderful injury report, as we have it. Uh, sorry, Celtics are on the back-to-back, too. I made that uh, made that foolish mistake. Uh, so no injury report for the Celtics. But for the Knicks, Nerlens Noel is questionable. Derek Rose out. Wayne Selden out. Denzel Valentine, I believe he was cut, if I'm not mistaken. So he's out. And then Kemba Walker is out as well. As of right now, doesn't look like we have a game line. I will pass it over to you. Celtics on the second half of a back-to-back. They're pretty much back at full health. Uh, we saw them mention that they were going to limit Tatum, but, I mean, not really much of a limiting. Break, give me your breakdown. Yeah, man. I mean, 37 minutes you got to see with Jason Tatum, so obviously not much of a limit over there. Uh, same with the uh, Dennis Schroeder situation. I mean, first game back, he went ahead and played 40 minutes in the game against Orlando, and you can see they tried to uh, limit him a little bit as far as his minutes are concerned. He played 25 in this one in a you know, close one-possession game loss, so everyone kind of had a pretty hefty workload going into this one. That being said, Boston-New York is always one of those games that I expect to be chippy, not really the highest of scoring games, but usually this is a, you know, a shorter bench situation in which you have your stars kind of going out there. But in terms of purely from a pricing perspective, I, like, there's a couple of studs that I'm looking at today. Jason Tatum at 10-2 on the second half of the back-to-back is probably lower on my list of uh, guys that I like. And in general, I just don't find myself landing on Jalen Brown just often, and I don't like him at 9,000 anyway. So I'm actually looking more at that either Dennis Schroeder or Marcus Smart situation at about 6,000, 6,200. Both of them in a, in a place where with Peyton Pritchard out, it's pretty much just them two being the major guys in the backcourt. Uh, Josh Richardson, even though he's listed as shooting guard, kind of ends up playing the three for them anyways. So it's just a really good spot for both of them to be, uh, to play somewhere in that high 30s to potentially even close to 40 minutes a game in these ones. So I just really like the opportunity for both of them to be able to hit their or hit their DK points. Marcus Smart's been on a pretty good run as of late, even though he hasn't been particularly shooting well. He's still getting into that uh, mid, mid-30s, even got all the way up to 42 in the Orlando game as well. So as long as he stays in that 6,000 and he's getting the kind of minute total he will, I definitely like both of them in there. And I think you can pivot that off uh, with uh, one of the uh, Tatum or Brown ones, if you believe uh, in them in the back-to-back, but it's a bit of a, a tough tough op- option for me with the other guys out there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm right there with both of those guys. I probably won't have too much Tatum or Brown. If I played one of them, it would be Brown just because, like we said, they didn't limit Tatum today. Odds are in a back-to-back, they're probably going to do their best if anything happens as far as the you know game script or anything like that. Uh, the only other guy I would mention would be Robert Williams. Uh, I don't love that price tag at 7K. Uh, but he's back to playing a full workload, uh, assuming um, that he should be back to playing a full workload. Last game he played was a monster triple-double, but it's more or less this team. two teams have played twice this season already, and he's averaging a cool 40 DK points against them. So based on game script, we know they're without Nerlens Noel. They've been taking Mitchell Robinson off the bench uh, in that last one, so yet to be seen if they do it again. Uh, if, if so, the front court's going to be lacking a little bit, and you imagine that Julius Randle steps out to the three-point line fairly often for a big. Horford's going to have to chase him out there, leaving pretty much all the you know defensive rebounds just kind of sitting there for Williams. So I do have some interest in him. We'll get to a couple other centers on this slate that we like as well. But right now, he's, he's firmly in play as my favorite Celtic play. On the Knicks side of the ball, 
we just spoke about him, Mr. Julius Randle. He's coming in at 10K. Uh, don't fault you if you want to play him. I, you know, I, I, we have a couple guys that we could spend up on. Uh, you know, only $800 less than Curry, and Curry's coming off an awful performance. Not very often Curry struggles like he has two games in a row. So I'm not going to sit here and rule Randall out just yet, but I'm finding myself gravitating more towards the mid-tier plays, like, you know, trying to get one stud in there, like one guy over 9K, and then looking at a lot of these mid-tier plays. So I just don't see myself landing on Randall all too much. And recently, R.J. Barrett has just been on fire. Uh, you know, we're looking at two games over the past three with at least 40 DK points. He's been shooting the ball well. He's been rebounding the ball well pretty much all season long. I just can't stomach it, man. Sometimes when I just look at him, I think to myself he's a fantastic play, and I never click him, and I end up living with that regret. But I just don't – I just it's going to be hard for me, man. I just don't see myself clicking him. Uh, I'm going to keep him in my player pool, and if I happen to land on him and it works out perfectly like that, sure, why not? But all these Knicks, when I'm just looking at it at face value, they're not easy clicks, um, if, if I have to say so myself. Maybe you have a different take. So I'm keeping like Barrett in my player pool. I'll keep Randall in my player pool. I don't necessarily see myself going to him all too, too much. I want to target the, the someone at the guard position, especially, you know, with no Kemba, but quickly has been pretty God awful as of late. Uh, minutes have been down, but at 4k, I think he's a rock solid value. He gives you a safe floor of anywhere between 15 and 20. And we've seen a couple ceiling games when he hit like 40 uh, back in mid December against Houston. I think he had like another couple 35 point games in there as well. So, He's probably the guy I'm gravitating towards the most as of right now, but maybe you give me your take. Try to convince me if there's anybody else you're like. Yeah, I mean, I think you've spoken about most of the major guys. Uh, the R.J. Barrett thing, I also don't like him just because I don't think he's a great fantasy player in general. Yes, he can rebound the ball decently enough, but in general, his ancillary stats have always kind of left me a little bit cold, and I mean, his shooting can get just as ice cold as well. That being said, I do like Alec Burks just in general from the fact that once uh, Kemba Kemba's out, it's just going to be the guy that they end up gravitating towards. He's the most solid guy. Tom Thibodeau absolutely loves him, puts him in a lot of lineups, has small forward eligibility, helps him out a lot as well. And he's just, it's a rock solid guy to be able to get his price tag has actually dropped a decent bit from when he was at his absolute peak earlier on in uh, late November, early December. But obviously we had the Kemba emergence, him getting back in the rotation and getting his playing time in. But Really, Alec Burks has been, in my opinion, the best Knicks player all the way through. And at uh, his 5,900 price tag, I'm very happy to take him to have a little bit of exposure in the game. I do think he'll get into that mid-30s as well, as far as minutes are concerned. Probably get into the low to mid-teens as far as shots are concerned. And then he's always one of those guys who can get you a good bit of dimes and a good bit of uh, rebounds to kind of round out the entire stat line. So I think it's a very solid play. He has the upside to be able to get into uh, mid to late 30s as far as DK points are concerned. So... I would personally rather have him than R.J. Barrett, who I'm going to go ahead and say drops a stinker in this one, and it's Alec Burks that does actually something. Yeah, and actually this game line came out in the middle of uh, us breaking it down. It is the lowest of the night at 210.5. So I do like that Burks call, though. Uh, yeah, especially with Ken Bow. He's playing 30-plus minutes with a price decrease. You know, Marcus Smart will be probably taking the bulk of the defense on him, but good as a defender smart is it's not like he's going to lock him down to the point where he's going to go out there and absolutely struggle he, he's a decent rebounder himself Burks but we'll move on to the next game Detroit Pistons traveling to Memphis Pistons on the second half of a back-to-back taking on the Grizzlies here uh, this game right now is coming in at a two 19 and a half game total Memphis being favored by only 12 and a half points nothing nothing too big 
Um, a little sarcasm there. No injury report for the Pistons, but the Grizzlies got a couple names we got to keep an eye on. Kyle Anderson, Desmond Bain are both doubtful. John Conchar has been ruled out. Tyrell Terry, Xavier Tillman ruled out. And then Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melton are both questionable. With Detroit on the second half of a back-to-back, uh, who are you looking at over here? Oh, man, when Detroit just continues to be that same thing where the price tags just scare me away. The only thing I'm even half interested in is the fact that Kate Cunningham is now sub 8,000, which gets him into kind of the player pool just because of his upside on here. And even though we know Detroit is not really going to be the team to really push an opposition with Memphis being down a couple of bodies, uh, do you have the opportunity to be able to get hot? They were early today against Charlotte. And really it was in that fourth quarter where Kelly Oubre just had like crazy crazy quarter eight threes in that one to totally put the game away but they're actually keeping it close up till then in a pretty high-paced game so i said i'd like Cade from a from a number standpoint from it making sense i don't know if i'll end up landing on him too too much just because i think there's other uh mid-tier plays that i probably will find have you know safer floor uh, to be able to go ahead and jump in but i don't like diallo's price tag sadiq bay is just you know just way too high he's been hot as of late no doubt but he's lives and dies by his threes and even though his rebounds can often help out if his three's not going the rest of it kind of just falls apart so yeah by and large i'm avoiding it maybe i take Cade if the lineup works out for me yeah the only other person i'm with you i think Cade comes into play being sub ak only other guy i'd mention would be trey lyles uh he should continue to see the starting center now not the not the greatest matchup going against a bruiser like steven adams uh, but it turned out a pretty decent game today with 17 points, seven boards, no real defensive stats. But at 5K, there's worse you can do when he gives you that power forward eligibility as well as center. So uh, I can see myself having some shares of him. Uh, on the Pistons side, really have to kind of see what's going on. Uh, you know, we can pretty much not expect to have Desmond Bain or Kyle Anderson, which is going to free up some of those wing minutes. Now, it's going to change a little bit, obviously, if we see that, you know, Melton's back and Brooks are back. It's a decent chance that... I don't know if they necessarily start in their first games back. We've kind of seen teams handle the situation a little different with guys coming out of the protocols. Sometimes they give them a few day games off. Sometimes they, you know, take them off the bench or they just straight up limit their minutes. So we're going to want to keep an eye out for the coach speak in that situation, I guess, how they're feeling and what we can expect. But uh, I would expect if they're both good to go, that the starting lineup ends up being Melton at the two and then Brooks at the three. And if they both sit, then that's just going to open up a ton of value. I mean, Killian Tilly has been playing pretty much small forward exclusively over the past few games. He's been starting, but the minutes have been limited very, very mightily. Only 17 and 16 in that back-to-back against Cleveland and Brooklyn. But with the rest of these wings, if they sit, we could probably expect that to ramp up closer to about 28 is what I imagine. And at 3,200, I think he'd be a fantastic value play. But again, I want to see some bodies out to be really interested in that. Uh, and I think Tyus Jones has a decent chance to start at the two, if that's the case as well. Uh, he'd be a nice little value play at 41. Now, if they both play, I definitely would have some interest in, I think, both those guys. But I it, probably not as much Brooks at that price tag. It's a solid price tag for Brooks. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't love it. The usage is always relatively high for him at 62. But you really need him to kind of you know pour in a nice like 35 to 40 DK point game to not miss him. You know, if he goes out there and puts up, you know, 33, hits his value, I'm not upset about that if I avoided him because there's still plenty of options that can outscore him at that price range. So I would lean more Melton at 46. We know his upside. We know what he can do and how he can just kind of, you know, fill up the stat sheet very, very quickly. And then I think John Morant at 92 is probably going to be one of my favorite spend-ups on this slate. Uh, the dude has just been an absolute tear. We've seen point guards just come in here and shred Detroit left and right. 
at 9,200, it's just a little too cheap for a guy who's routinely putting up, you know, mid 40s with the upside of 60. So uh, I'm really good with Morant. And then I kind of want to keep an eye on uh, those other value plays based upon what's going on with these situations. Yeah, I agree completely. And you know, we've been talking about other slates in which prices have been consistently going up. This one is where they've kind of just corrected themselves. And now it's in a lot of these places where people are in a pretty good position to be able to hit good value. John Morant, I completely agree, is probably my favorite spend up on this slate as well. Just again, this is a guy who should be somewhere close to 10K on an, any given night, just with everything like his averages come through, as you said, it's either 40 or 60. So somewhere near 10K makes more sense for a salary. Uh, but as far as the. Uh, kind of low and mid-tier guys that I'm interested in. Brandon Clark has been on an absolute tear for the last you know, three games now, even though he's been consistently in that 23 to 25 minute range. The fact is he's getting high usage in that he takes pretty much all of his shots in the paint, which helps a lot. But more so than that, he just hustles for absolutely every rebound and tries to block every shot because he knows he's going to be there for just 25 energy minutes. So at his current price tag, until he gets somewhere near 5K, I've been pretty much landing on him for the last couple of nights now. And I think I'm going to continue with that, uh, even given the fact that uh, it's up against Detroit. I think that potentially helps where he could be seeing himself with a couple of extra minutes because I don't expect this game to go all the way into the fourth, which could allow you know Jaron Jackson to sit out. Who I always love Jaron Jackson, 6,100. He's going to be in play for me, but I probably am leaning a little bit more towards Brandon Clark just because of that prospect of a blowout and just more so the amount of... Uh, impact and usage he's getting in the 25 minutes that he's there with the rest of the guys i'm absolutely there with you i'm gonna have to tell you uh tell him about that you know he's gonna be upset with you <laughs> knowing that knowing that but no nah, it makes a lot of sense man i like your game script theory on that one uh golden state warriors traveling to the pelicans taking on well uh traveling to new orleans to take on the pelicans i don't think they're traveling to the pelicans to take on new orleans uh this one we have the warriors on the second half of a back-to-back as we know for the pelicans though Kara lewis jr Tomas Sadaransky, Zion Williamson ruled out and staying away from the team to rehab. I don't know if you're – are people over-reading that or under-reading it? What do you think over there at that whole situation? It's just uh, – I mean, I think it's just one of those things where Zion – needs to step away from the spotlight of everything that's going on. It's just, there's too much going on there. I think he just needs to get his head straight, work on his fitness, have his guys there that can focus on that and bring it all back. So I think people are reading way too much in that. I don't think it has anything to do with him going to Portland or anything. It's just getting away from the spotlight and focusing on what's important, which is his body right now. And that's, that's hopefully good enough for him to get himself back into shape I don't know if he's coming back this season. I'm, I'm very like pessimistic about the whole situation for Zion, but for a long-term career perspective, he obviously needs to get his head and his everything into shape. So it's just hopefully you can do it. Step away. Yeah, I, I, I've listen. I get both sides of the coin with him, and I see a lot of you know bad takes out there where they're like, well, you know, he hurt his rehab because he gained so much weight. I don't know if anyone's ever broke their foot before, but it's not easy to run and do conditioning with a broken foot. So it could, it's it's a tale of two takes. Yes, I know he gained a little weight before the surgery and all that as well, but give the guy a break. You know, it's still gonna be a he's still gonna be a force to be reckoned with. I think for uh, for years to come. You know, plus I'm I'm also a fan of the guy with chubby Luca, who people are comparing him to. <laughs> but uh, you know, this game's coming in at two back on track, two twenty game total. Uh, Golden State being favored by six and a half points in this one, so. Closer spread than I actually anticipated, but I'll pass it over to you. Golden State on a poor performance, looking for a bounce back from any of these guys? I mean, you would hope so, just given how 
terribly. They all ended up playing offensively. I mean, given the fact that Golden State has been one of the best offensive teams in the league for them to come out as flat as they did, they will 100% be looking to get themselves back into it. Uh, on New Orleans side, though, it's just they're just a team that gets pesky defensively at home. They do a lot better as far as their defensive rating is concerned at home versus away. So that's probably why uh, you're seeing some of that uh, spread kind of come into play, which is good news because Steph Curry needs a game to get himself going because no one really wants to talk about it, but Steph's been struggling for a good little bit now. His last 10 games have been just absolutely terrible as far as the shooting is concerned, 33% from the field, 33% from three. And even though he's kind of getting his ancillary stats, he's not getting anywhere near what we expect him to do just because his shooting's been so off. So New Orleans has been one of those matchups. If we go back to history, Curry had dropped his 13-3 game against them too in the year that KD was there. He was struggling all the way before that, and he kind of needed that game to get himself back on track in that season. So it's just kind of been one of those places that he likes uh, to get himself going. So I'm not sure he's going to be my favorite spend up just because John Moranta is at a 9,200 in that kind of a matchup, I think has similar kind of upside, but I could see myself hedging just with Steph Curry one. You can never count him out of it and he can always just blow up a slate, especially a four game slate if he goes off. So you have to keep him in the player pool. But in general, from a Warriors exposure standpoint, I've just been finding myself with a lot more Draymond Green. Just in general, I think he offers a lot more solidity for what he's been doing. I like his price tag still in that kind of mid to late 7,000s. There's just enough happening as far as all of his ancillary stats are concerned that even if he's not shooting the ball at all, as he has been in the last uh, three games, he'll still find a way to get into those 40s as far as his DK points are concerned. So it's a more of a solid play. It doesn't give you necessarily that 50, 60 DK points upside that some of the other guys can do, or even like a Jordan Poole on a going off night, but that's more of a you know, throw it out there just in case, you know, you talk about building those consistent lineups, one that you can feel good about going in. And I like Draymond in a lot of these positions just to get exposure into this game. You said it perfectly, my friend. I think John is probably both of our favorite spend up. Curry would be number two. I still prefer him over Randall, over Tatum, over some of those other guys. Uh, but I'm more or less looking at some of these ancillary options. Draymond Green, I think, like you said, absolutely fantastic spot for him. They'll probably end up uh, playing Ingram at the threes, but I imagine they're not going to sit there and mess around with that. They'll play Herb at the four is my best guess. Uh, but I also think guys like on the wing, like you said, you mentioned Poole. I think he goes a little under-owned in this slate. And if you're not playing Curry, he makes sure that great pivot. Someone's going to have to score the ball on this team. And if you're avoiding Curry, uh, and like, like you said, we're not necessarily avoiding. We'll hedge our bets in a few lineups, but... If you're not playing him, it makes sense to throw in like a pool, um, maybe like a Wiggins. Play one of those guys. Uh, even Gary Payton's been playing significant minutes. He's one of their, I might even say one of, he's their best perimeter defender, without a doubt. And pretty much over the past five games, he's been extremely consistent with a floor of about 23 and a half and a ceiling of 30. So you know what you're kind of getting out of Gary Payton. It's going to be, you know, 10 to 12 points, good defensive numbers, and occasionally he has a big rebounding game. So I'll be looking at a lot of these ancillary guys. If I had to pick, it would probably be Poole and Peyton more than, uh, you know, the others. And then absolutely, I think Green is rocks. I never play Wiggins. He's like Harrison Barnes Jr. to me, <laughs> where I'll, I'll take it off the chin on their good nights. And listen, you know, tweet at me when he has a 50-point game tonight, and I'll take that off the chin as well. But uh, on the other side of the ball, definitely some, some options that we're going to have to talk about here, just simply because if we're playing some Warriors, we're probably going to want to run it back a little bit. Uh, main options I'm looking at, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, I think it's a decent spot for a guy like Devontae Graham. He's been getting good usage. You know, we're seeing Ingram kind of get slowly ramped back up. He's playing the minutes, but the shot hasn't been falling for him. Uh, five of 18 in that game against Phoenix, three of 18 against Utah. Granted, those are very tough defensive matchups, 
but so are the Warriors. Warriors have one of the league's best defenses as well. So this is going to be a tough stretch for this Pelicans team uh, offensively. But I think Devontae Graham at 59, he's a solid enough option where we're going to see a lot of three-point shooting in this. And like I, I mentioned, Herb Jones, I think we see good minutes from him in this one. Pretty decent game out of him, 4,500. He's not a guy that you hear me mention very often, uh, but I do like this spot for him. So those are probably my two primary options, but I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to look at like you know a Josh Hart in this fast-paced matchup who's absolutely been crushing too. I just don't see myself necessarily going to Ingram despite the price tag as much as I like it or Joe Val in this matchup. It's going to be the other three guys for me. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head over there, especially with the uh, Herb Jones game, which has in general been probably one of my favorite rookies to be able to play just from a price tag perspective. Again, much like Brandon Clark, I've been landing on him a lot over the last little bit, and he's been consistently hitting that value, and his price tag's actually down for this game, which is a bit odd for everything else that's working out. But I think we're seeing that across the board here. And the same thing happens with Brandon Ingram. I mean, yes, he's been struggling a lot, but I think his price tag had also been just super blown out of proportion. But for him to come down to 8,100, gets him back into that player pool because I said someone's got to score. Uh, you know, Valanchunas, this is not a great matchup as far as uh, the Warriors are concerned for him. Obviously, he had a great game the first time around they played him, but in general, they'll often find that uh, for all the years that he's played against uh, the Golden State Warriors, they just pull him out. It makes him tough to be able to actually stay on the floor for longer periods of time. And I think in this kind of a matchup over here, a Josh Hart for 6,400 makes a lot more sense than having the exposure to someone of uh, Valanchunas' price tag. And if you wanted to hedge that, I do like Brandon Ingram at 8,100 just as a shooting guard, as a guy who's got to bounce back. Yes, it's a tough matchup. They probably will stick uh, Draymond Green out here on him. But I just think it's one of those where he's getting himself ramped up. He's getting his... uh, He's getting his looks there. I've been watching those games. He's, the looks are fine. It's just one of those where he's got to get him to drop. It's one of those where you see it go through the hoop a couple of times, and then he just finds himself back in the rhythm. And I think there's enough uh, diversity as far as the stat line's concerned that uh, you have a decent amount of upside there. But my favorite guy is probably going to be Herbert Jones just because of the price tag. I think he's got a ton of upside just in general. And uh, and the stat line just continues to show his diversity there as well. So I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. And it's just... Alexander Walker, that's just been squeezed out of everything, and he's obviously just lost. I don't know what's going on with him this year. He was supposed to be a complete breakout candidate, but he's down to next to nothing, and uh, I'm kind of done trying to push for him because it's just weird. It doesn't make sense to me anymore. Yeah, I'm off him. Off so if you had to pick between uh, Herbert Jones or Brandon Clark, since you brought it up, who would you take? Yeah, and I think I'll take Herbert Jones just because of the fact that uh, Herbert Jones is going to be in a situation with more minutes and uh, he's, his usage is also continuing to go up, not as high as like Brandon Clark was just 20 minutes of high energy and go out and put it out there. Uh, so I think Herbert Jones has got a safer floor and he's got the minutes to be able to get to something consistently. Both of them are going to do great for the value. I just think if the game goes out of hand in the Detroit Memphis one and Brandon Clark gets somewhere close to 30 minutes, you could be looking at, uh, you know, 45, 50 TK point night for him. And then it just gets absolutely crazy. So I'm interested in both. I'd probably take Herbert Jones just from a safer perspective, but I, I love Brandon Clark as well. I like the take. And it's also not even the blowout too. I mean, we've seen Jaron Jackson get into foul trouble plenty of times. So there's a number of things that could get him extra minutes. All right. Final game of the night, the Los Angeles Clippers traveling to Phoenix, taking on the Suns for the Clippers, Nicholas Batum, Brandon Boston, Jr. Both questionable. Uh, I think Batum actually got a nice practice session in. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Paul George, Isaiah Hartenstein, Luke Kennard, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Preston, Ivaka Zubats all ruled out. And for the Suns, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, Frank Kaminsky, JaVale McGee, Abdul Nader, Dario Saric, Landry, Shamet are all ruled out. 
This game is coming in at a 219 game total. Phoenix favored by 11. I will pass it over to you for this Clippers. And the Clippers, again, are in a situation where they have gotten their prices adjusted to a point where there are some pretty decent values to be able to have here. Uh, Marcus Morris will likely be the leading shot taker on this team, given everything else that's out there. And if he's ramped up back into normalcy, then he's going to be in a position where he could potentially be having a 40 to 45 DK point upside. So at 5,600, I think that's an absolutely great spot for me to be able to go ahead and take him. And the fact that he has that dual forward eligibility if I'm going with someone like the Herbert Jones or Brandon Clark as one of the forwards, I can easily slot Marcus into one of the other two potential forward slots as well. So works out really well as far as the lineup construction of things are concerned. And at the same side, I also feel the same way about Terrence Mann. Just I like the price tag. Anytime he's now into that 4,000s, which is, again, it's he's had one bad game. But beyond that, last three games, he was very consistent in the mid-20s. And if you go back over his last 10, his averages have, again, been in that mid to late 20s. So for him to be at a pretty decent price tag in a matchup that isn't potentially the greatest possible matchup that is because Phoenix has obviously been absolutely killing it and especially at home. But the Clippers team are just so down as far as depth is concerned. They're going to have to play these guys these minutes no matter what. So just from a purely volume perspective, I like both of them. And uh, I think you could maybe even run it back with one of uh, either Reggie Jackson or Bledsoe. I'd probably lean more to a Reggie Jackson just because he's going to be more involved in the offense. But in general, I think these Clippers, if everything else works out, you've got your studs in place, you've got your mid-tiers. Pretty much I expect most of these guys to be able to hit at least 5x on their value with the upside to do a little bit more if they can uh, get some of their shots going early. Yeah, for me, this this whole entire game is going to come down to game script. I mean, if you're playing one of these starters for the Clippers, you're probably going to have somebody pretty solid over there on Phoenix as well. Uh, we just actually saw, I believe, in that last game, when the game gets out of hand, they have no problem even having depleted team benching some of these guys. You know, I think all their starters played less than 25 minutes. And at that point, I think that's why their salaries are down so much. I don't know if the algorithm takes in account of what the spread's supposed to look like over here on DK. But it's going to just come down to simple as that. I prefer Jackson over Bledsoe, just like you. Uh, if you're playing the ancillary side of it where you think it is going to get out of hand, you know, you can start looking at guys like Justice Winslow, I think, at 4,100. I'm probably off the Serge Ibaka bandwagon at 44. But for me, if I think it's staying relatively close where we get a full lot in a minute, it's Morris, it's Jackson. I, I'm with you. I prefer Morris as my top option. And if I think it gets out of hand, I'll start looking at guys like Justice Winslow. Uh, on the other side of the ball, definitely some some things to like over here. I mean, we've kind of seen the clock get turned back a little bit for Bismack Biombo. Uh, he's only 4K, played 29 minutes in that last game. Granted, uh, we did see Jalen Smith leave the game for a short period of time and come back. So I don't know if that's a true number that we would see and count on necessarily. Uh, but he is the guy that would play, in my, if I imagine it. It does blow out. But dude's been great. In the two games he's been with the team, I mean, we're looking at 24 and 38 DK points at 4K. Uh, he, granted, he has hit <laughs> 11 of his uh, past 13 shots. So... <laughs> You know, the guy hasn't really missed too much, but he's not a guy that's taking jumpers either. You know, all these are going to come in the paint. We're going to see that a lot. So I do have interest in Bismack. He's probably going to be one of my most owned value plays. I might just eat the chalk in this one because even if he plays 20 minutes at, at 4K, I, I can see him paying that off pretty uh, pretty easily. The pivot to him would obviously be Jalen Smith, which, you know, granted, young guy. He has a ton of talent. Finds himself in foul trouble here and there. He's been playing significant minutes up to the point that they got Bismack. So there's always some risk to that. But I can see myself going to one of these center plays and give me the guy that's $1,300 cheaper. Outside of that, I think Chris Paul at 7300 Again, if you're game scripting this one to stay close, I want him. 
Um, that's way too cheap for Chris Paul. It's a fantastic matchup. We know that Reggie Jackson pretty much doesn't play defense whatsoever, hasn't since he's played with OKC. So I have a lot of interest in Chris Paul. He'd probably be my favorite player on this team if I'm game scripting it to get close. So I'm mostly looking at, you know, Biombo, Chris Paul, and then I wouldn't fault you for any of these ancillary, you know, pieces. It's a great spot. You know, Devin Booker, I think I still prefer John Morant for $500 more. I'll try to find my way up there. And then I'll never, I'll never argue against Cam Johnson. I just don't think that the upside's all that great with him for the most part. But he's got a decently safe floor. Yeah, I think you've hit most of the nail on the head. And with the Bismack Biombo situation, it's even more interesting because he hasn't had that monster rebounding game yet because that was pretty much always what he's been known for, just being able to rack up tons and tons of rebounds, especially on the offensive end because you'll just keep crashing it and get those putbacks. Missed him on the Raptors. Obviously, he went for $72 million over to Orlando. Can't uh, complain about that. But for him to be back in the league, I'm personally very happy about that. And he's definitely getting his opportunities here. And you'll definitely get to somewhere between 20 to 20 to 25 minutes on this game, which should be very easy for him to hit his value here. So right with you on that. I do really like Chris Paul as well in this matchup. One, 7,300 to me in general has just been way too cheap. I've been landing on him pretty much every single one of those last three games that he's been under 8,000. Even though Chris Paul doesn't have necessarily the high scoring upside, he's just been racking up the dimes in the last 31 assists in the last two games, which is absolutely absurd. Even if his points aren't necessarily there, you know the rest of it's going to come into play. So there's always that narrative as well. He's facing the Clippers again, you know, that old matchup, probably where Chris Paul's uh, legend really went to die because he was supposed to go and lead them somewhere high and it didn't turn out that way. But Phoenix has turned his career around in that sense. So really do like him. I think that the game has a current total of, what, plus 12. It's kind of close to be able to go there, but at 7,300, I think the upside is pretty pretty safe to be able to go with the floor that he has. I don't think he'll play any with anything less than even at least 28 minutes, if worst-case scenario, and even in that, he can easily go ahead and hit that 36-37 to get his, uh, his value paid off, and then after that, anything else is gravy. So I'm good with that. I stay away from Booker in general. I don't think he gets the kind of usage and the kind of uh, efficiency to for me to really like his salary until he gets into that kind of like Brandon Ingram 8100 area. So at 87, I'll go ahead and just give him a pass as well and stick with Chris Paul and a little bit of Biombo as well. Yep, you said it perfect. Even if this game gets out of hand, I'm with you. I think he still plays at least 25 to 28 minutes. And if the game gets out of hand, he's probably going to have a large part in it. And I think bare middle will be probably looking at like 34 to 35 DK points, which doesn't kill you and upside of 40 to 50 in this matchup. But that brings us home. We're at everyone's favorite section, the player tier segment. So I'm a gentleman. I'll let you go first. Take my guy. Do it. Are we starting with the value play? No, we're starting with the top tier. Yes, yes, yes. We're talking about the top tier. Yes, yes. Well, John Morant, absolutely. (laughs) 9,200. Can't can't go away from that. I just love everything about this matchup. Uh, Just given the fact that I I think it's going to be the highest scoring once everything else comes turns around but more so than that uh, josh is just in a position where even if the game is out of hand it's going to be because he went ahead and dropped uh, 50 dk points on here i just think he's way too cheap for the upside that he offers uh, he should be somewhere close to that 97 9800 that he's been consistently on and he's been hitting that dk value for the last uh, five games in a row he hasn't had anything less than 48.25 so the pricing is a little bit odd to me they're probably playing the fact that the spread is going to go a little bit wild but in general, we're seeing that uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be a little tighter as far as the rotation is concerned. Missing Desmond Bain as well. 9,200, John Morant, lock him in. 
Absolutely right there with you. I will lean. See, I almost set you up, and I was, I was like, maybe he's going to be a good guy. He'll say, you know, Brandon Ingram because he liked him <laughs> and leave job for me. No, I'm, I'm messing with you. I'll go Steph Curry, uh, 11K. Like I said, I don't really like any of those other spend-ups on the slate. Uh, after those two guys, I'm finding myself in that mid-tier range more often than not. So I will pass it over to you for that mid-tier range. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of really good options over here, but in the end, I'm going to have to stick with who's been solid to me for a number of games now, which is Draymond Green. 7,700 just has so much diversity to his stat line. I just love the fact that even if things aren't going his way, he's still going to end up somewhere near 40, just given the fact that he's going to probably get double-digit dimes, his sprinkling of defensive stats. So and even if he's not shooting the ball well, the opportunities there. I do think this Pelicans matchup is going to be a good spot for Steph Curry to finally get his groove back, which means that Draymond is probably dishing all those dimes over to Steph. So it just kind of works out both ways. And uh, I just love everything about it. I think he's got the safest floor of all these mid-tier guys. And the upside is always there to get into the 40s, if not close to 50. I was stuck on two guys here. It was Chris Paul, who we just talked about, and the guy that we mentioned in the first game, Robert Williams. And I think I'm going to lean Robert Williams just because a little bit of a safer play, whatever you want to say about the spread. I think Chris Paul is still a fantastic play, but we'll lean Robert Williams. I really like him in this matchup against this depleted Knicks front court. Uh, and like I said before, knowing that Horford is going to be chasing Randall around most of the time, Randall has no problem taking those mid-range and three-point shots. So leaves Williams to kind of protect the paint for his own lonesome, where he can come up with a little bit of extra rebounds, a couple more blocks, things like that. So I will lean Robert Williams. And then our value plays, who are you rolling with? Yeah, and I'm between the two that uh, I spoke about earlier as well. So it's really between uh, Brandon Clark or Herb Jones for me. I mean, I'm going to say Brandon Clark here just because he's got the upside to be able to absolutely smash uh, the value that he has, I, given the fact that, again, the Memphis matchup, even if it doesn't get out of hand, he's been in a position where he's getting 25 minutes consistently. He's been absolutely killing for the last couple of games now and getting into that uh, mid-30s on an absolute consistent basis because of the fact that he has just so much activity in that time. If he can get even a couple more minutes over there, that upside easily moves into the 40s as well. And I like this matchup for him to be able to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and say Brandon Clark's my guy. And then I will go to Bismack Biombo, 4K. He'll be chalk. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be absolute chalk. But four games late, I'm willing to eat the chalk with him. As long as we know he's playing 20 minutes, sign me up. I'm good with it. And then now we have the wonderful Thrive Fantasy pick of the night. And I'll be honest right here, Harris. I don't like these. I don't like these Thrive lines, man. I'm not digging them too much myself. So I'll let you lead off, and then I will follow up with something I feel very uncertain about. Yeah, and I think there's a a number of these that I was like, "Eh, where where do I think it'll end up landing on? But I ended up going with the the Josh Hart one. I think uh, he's going to have a matchup in which he's going to be – a little less involved as far as the rebounds and assists are concerned. I think Ingram is going to get the opportunity to do a little bit more. So I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, under uh, 110 for uh, 10.5 rebounds and assists is where I'll throw it. But as you said, I'm not super, super confident with any of these. I just think that's one that I uh, found myself landing on. Yeah, these are these are really tough lines. I set these right. And the one the ones I do like, we're not getting great point totals out of. It's just that, you know, that simple. But uh, I'm kind of leaning towards the Cade Cunningham. And it's 90 for the over at 16 and a half. I don't feel great about it. You know, just trying to be very transparent. I'm not going to throw out something I think is fantastic when I don't. I don't like any of these lines. I'm probably going to end up taking the night off from Thrive. Maybe I just limit my exposure and just go straight to the prop bet side side of it instead of doing the prop lobby. Like we always say, there's two sides of it that you can do. If you want to just take one or two props, you could do that instead of trying to load up on four. But to each his own. Uh, that's probably the one I feel a little bit more comfortable with and leaning towards. 
So I will go there. And that brings us home, my good friends. So give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. Give us a thumbs up. Five star, subscribe wherever you do listen. Whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, we are all over the place and we greatly, greatly appreciate it, guys. Keep it up. Thank you all for listening. Harris, is there anything else you would like to say before we get out of here? Uh, doing well. It's been halfway through the matchup. Enjoyed a great Wednesday. We're going to have a four-game slate on a Thursday to be able to chill out. I'm going to be relaxing here in my room, so I'll get to watch all of them. But as always, everyone else stay safe and see me out on Twitter because I'm sure I'll be there for a little bit more because I have nothing else to do tonight. Yep, and if anyone was wondering, I did make the wrong decision uh, for the, that two-versus-two two two swap. Cam Reddish stinks. Uh, I should have went to Lon right, and it was uh, it was those are the two hours between. It was Delon, it was Cam, and I went Cam, and I did everything in my head told me not to. But on to the next one, my friend. Still win some money, just not as much as I wanted. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be Dave Mankoff. It'll be Santino Cocon. They'll be taking down that Friday slate for you. Have a good one. <laughs>